top of the mountains where it belongs. Definitely. It's great to hear from you, Chet. It's great to hear from you, too, Andy. It's amazing. You know yes, what? definitely. It's been a good it's, year uh, so far. So far, it's been, been all right. You know, I can't complain, you know. Um, did you have a good uh, Christmas and a good New Year over there in Hawaii, Chet? Pretty laid back, mostly gigging <laughs> well, that's, and watching well, that's football. That's awesome. Watching football. Hey, how about the Eagles? Woo! In the playoffs. Yes. Hey, Andy, I fell asleep. Did uh, did we get it? Did we get in? We got it. We got it. We got it. 49ers, 49ers won, Packers won, we're in the playoffs. And a foot throwing up the Eagles, the Miles, the Rocks, Washington Redskins. I was a little concerned the first quarter, but as the game progressed, they got together and they were showing their stuff and how good they really are. You know, it's really something. I mean, it's something football for a minute, and I'm in L.A. And also the Chargers and the Rams. College did well. Who's that? Which college? University of Georgia. Georgia. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Bulldog. Yeah. There we go. There we Rematch. Go. Yeah, another one. And uh, oh, and how about that Rose Bowl? Holy smokes! With with uh, oh, that Ohio was, State. And that was entertaining. Man, Ohio State. You know, I kind of who else for that? One. I really don't know who else for that one. I don't know. I used to live in Columbus, which is where Ohio State is, so I kind of had that, you know, affection for Columbus and Ohio State because I was right there for a while. Um, but Utah is is in the conference where I am now in Southern California with USC, Oregon, Utah, uh, uh, Arizona. So that's kind of cool. But that's Ohio the State, Pac twenty nine now, huh? Yeah, that's I can't keep track anymore. I'm in the Pac twelve twenty nine. I don't know. 
Pack eight is what I remember. <laughs> yeah, wow, it is a while back. I'd have had twelve, and now it's. But uh, the Eagles are in the Philadelphia Eagles are in my hometown team. They are in the playoffs. Are they going to go far? Most of the year, they played losing teams. However, yes, and and they, so they beat the they beat the teams that they should have. That was could have beat. They were, but they started. Three and five or something, two and five out of the gate, and nobody, everybody was kind of writing them off. Then they came back. Um, I, I think yeah. the defense is a little suspect. Um, I think the quarterback is has potential. Uh, uh, what's his name? I forget his name. Hurts. Hurts. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I like the guy. It kind of reminds me of a combination of Michael Vick and Donovan McNabb. Like run, throw. Yes, he does. He does. Yeah. With a, that, little, that, with a little bit of Jerry Rice. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. I think, yeah, I think I like the guy. I like the guy. He's got, you know, he's getting some time. But the fact that the Eagles are in the playoffs again, to me, with their new uh, coach and the whole nine yard, the whole system there is uh, pretty, you know, I'm still bleeding green here in California. So good for the Philadelphia Eagles. So if you want to call into our show, it's 515-605-9888. This is the 2022 season of the Andy Amanda Show. Amanda couldn't make it on our first show of the year. Mm-mm-mm. But we do have Ted on the line, who's a good friend of the show and a frequent caller. And we have the show coordinator on the line, Coordinator Butler, who made this all possible. So if you want to join the conversation about football, or anything else we talk about, of course, how was your New Year? How was your Christmas? That was the time. What's your revolution for the year? What's it? It's a revolution? No. Yeah, Re- revolution. revolution. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Your resolution for the year, let us know. 515-605-9888 is how you do it. And I got some news for you, folks. We are, this quarter, within the first few months of the year, pencil this. Don't pen it in, but pencil it in. You're going to be hearing the Andy Demand Show on real broadcast radio. This show is is destined to be on radio within the first three months of this year. And uh, that'll be so cool. Not that I'm complaining about Block Talk Radio and they gave us the platform to get this thing going and to, to to produce something that became a podcast, which is being downloaded all over the place and all the popular podcast networks and streams, iHeartRadio and, and iTunes and, and, and TuneIn Radio and Pandora and all these different places. You can hear the show and people do listen to the show after it's already produced. And we thank everybody and thank Block Talk Radio for giving us the platform to be able to put all this together. After all, none of us are professionals here. We don't know what we're doing. We kind of put this thing out, and lo and behold, 300 and some odd episodes later, we're still doing it, and, and we're destined to go on to real radio. Will we maintain a Block Talk show? We might. We might. We'll see what happens. You know, we'll see what happens. But anyway, uh, that's where this show is headed, and uh, we're confident of that. I'm not exactly sure what the timing's going to be. But um, it's going to be a whole new adventure. Can you imagine we're going to have to really go, Cornell would have to say, I will be right back after this break and actually play a real commercial? Mm-mm-mm. I'm, I'm rehearsing. I'm rehearsing. We'll be right back after this brief message. How's that sound? Yes, definitely. <laughs> now, here's the word work on from your my lead, work on your <laughs> Work on your lead-ins for Vi- Viagra and... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> well, that you, you know, Chet, that's what we're going to be talking about. You know, that's the whole, that's what you do. <laughs> uh, Andy, can you lean into the microphone a little more? It's, Am I faint? It's, it's, you're kind of faint. 
Let me see. Is this help? One, two, three, four, five. This getting better? One, two, three, four, five. One, two, three, four. This is better. Check, 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 check. Uh, about the same. I wonder why I'm faint. I'm feeling a little dizzy. Wait a minute. Should be uh, all right. I don't know. Okay, I can lean in a little bit better. Is this a little better? Oh, you know? It. it huh. It huh. is what it is. It sounds it sound kind of fine, but, you know, we'll deal with it. <laughs> I can hear right. Cornell a lot better. I wonder... Uh, Gosh, we were I supposed think. to do this before the show started. <laughs> we were. Yes, sir. Yeah, how yeah. we are here. It's good. The, it's okay. I'm showing the <laughs> clipping. I'm, I'm showing the clipping like going on here in our Coast to Coast studios. It's showing the yeah. clipping. So it must be a... Uh, Something beyond anything we can do here. I, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Anyway. Forget I said anything. <laughs> no, you're fine. You're fine, man. It's, it's, it's awesome. Um, let me ask you a question. When y'all was on, when we was, when during Christmas, the holiday season, mm-hmm. what, what, what was you guys watching? What was you doing? I mean, basically, was y'all watching a lot of movies? Did y'all catch up with some things that, you know, you know, to catch up with. Let me see. I saw Elf, the movie Elf, around Christmas time. Remember Elf? And I saw Robin Williams. Yeah, that's a great Scott. movie, man. That's, a, that that's a cool movie. Yes, and yes. I, and also Robin Williams and Sally Fields and Mrs. Doubtfire. Wow. I saw that. I saw part of Christmas Story because a friend of mine and also a good friend's son, same person, um, Artie Rob played Schultz, the guy, the little kid who says, I tripled out there, you to put the other kid to put his thumb on the frozen Christmas uh, on the pole. So I know that guy. Of course, he's in his upper 40s right now, but he was, he was a little kid when he said that. But, but I, you know, everybody knows the movie Christmas Story, and um, Artie Rob was in it. He played that part. He's a buddy of mine now. It's kind of cool. I said, God, you were the same kid. You said I tripled out there. Yeah, it's kind of cool. He was also in Matilda and a bunch of other movies, but right now he's yeah. Oh, you know we had we had we had Rodney. Remember, no, we had Rodney Rob uh, uh, on the show, and Rodney's wife. Yes, yes. And Rodney Rob on Station Three, which is a premier talent management company in New York and L.A. And um, so that's what R.D. does now. He still does a few acting gigs here and there, but primarily he runs with his mom, Edie Rob, uh, Station Three here in L.A. And you know what? Yes. You know I got to ask. I, I've done a whole bunch of TV shows and business movies myself, and I, and they won't they won't hire me. <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> so much for that career. <laughs> hey, it, it's never too yeah. late. It's never too never late. Too late. Never too late. Yeah. How about you? Maybe they'll what, maybe what? they'll do a show called The Golden Boys. You can get in on that. <laughs> yes, right. Yeah. Well, I thought, we all you could do the well, Betty White sure. character. Oh, I'm sorry, not Betty, yeah. Betty White. Betty White, yeah. yeah. Chad, oh you, didn't God, say, have... you didn't say, yes, I'm sorry. John Madden. Yes, John Madden. he passed. Yeah. Yeah, December 30th. Or, I mean, yeah, he oh, had no, a lot Betty of video White games. Did. And you know who else went, um, uh, I'll tell you who else, which is sudden and totally unpredicted. Um, Betty White? Um, John Madden. John Madden, of course. Um, but, um, Betty? 
know, um, Roy, Lisa Roy, Lisa Roy. Oh, yeah, Lisa yeah. Roy. Oh, my God. She suddenly died December 31st. Of course, uh, she had a long, a four-year relationship with uh, Danny Kochmeyer, a part of the immediate family, playing Leonard, Leonard Leland Slar, uh, and uh, oh, Wadi Wachell, guitar player. You know, they were all back in Jackson Brown and James Taylor, back in the old videos with Cupidora, uh, behind Carol King and James Taylor. And uh, um, Lisa Roy was the coordinator of the band, that backup band is now a band called The Immediate Family. And they're doing a documentary because these guys back to tour near Jackson Brown, running on MP, James Taylor's original band, Carol King's original band. Um, and they, they've now just started, you know, they're playing a Lauren Devon's band, the same guy, the same musicians. And they started a band called The Immediate Family. Um, and Lee Sklar was very close to me here in the Pasadena area of California. I know him and uh, um, a wonderful, wonderful guy. You should check out his YouTube videos. If you guys want to see, see and hear some of the, I mean, this, Lee Sklar has been on over 2,500 albums and, and he does almost a daily show on YouTube and he tells stories about working with, uh, with you know, so many great, great, I mean, the, the who's who list, you know, of, of musicians, Toto and Bill Collins and, of course, Jackson Brown and James Taylor, and the list goes on and on and on. Elton John, you know, the list goes on and on. But and he gets on YouTube. He's such an approachable, likable guy, and, he, and he's a very laid-back fashion. He talks a lot about the stories about working with these guys. He takes out his bass and like he'll play along with the songs, you know, show you how he did what he did. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah, Lisa Roy died unexpectedly on December 31st, and uh, she was uh, and Danny Kochmeyer were so connected at the hip. I mean, each other's soulmates. And he's having a real tough time with that right now. Of course, he wished all of uh, Lisa Roy's friends and family and so forth. Danny, all, all the very best from uh, Andy and the Andrew show. But, um, yeah, so, so um, John Madden, man, I wonder what, you know, what's going to, man, that really took me for a... <laughs> oh, man, I uh, thought we left him back in 2021. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's a really shame. Uh, unbelievable. It is unbelievable. Yes. Yeah, it is. Definitely. Uh, we, oh, we it's like the hokey pokey. You put your right foot in, yeah. you take your right foot out, you right. put your right foot in, you shake it all about, uh, you do the hokey pokey, and you turn it around, boom. <laughs> That's what the I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, I I was a hardcore Raider fan when, we, when he won the Super Bowl, let me tell you. Sweating bullets oh, that man. game. Oh my God! So like, you remember Bo Jackson? Oh yeah. Mm. Actually, I lost. What was it? It was one playoff game. Who was it? Oh, never mind. I don't want to get started on that. <laughs> I forgot too much. Mm. Uh, another person is Don Wells. I was on an e- email thread on an email group. And it got to my, I was posting my uh, Gilligan's Island lyrics for uh, Stairway to Heaven. And uh, I looked it up and Gilligan's Island Mary Ann died on December 30th. She COVID, did. Complications from COVID, yes. Well, she Don Wells. I remember, I remember when uh, yeah. somebody else had died from Gilligan's recent, you know, a little short while ago when she was the last surviving member and then she did some interviews and so forth. And she she died. Oh my God, when? December 30th? 
December 30th, yeah. I had a major oh. crush on her. I didn't, other, I didn't care about did. Ginger. It was Mary yeah. Ann. <laughs> oh, wow, so there's no more surviving cast members. They all, the whole island, the whole crew, they're all, they're, they're all died. The whole they're island, died. yeah. Yeah, wow. they never got off the island. They never got off the island. <laughs> well, didn't they get yeah, off the they, island? And, and they did, then they made a movie, and they made a uh, resort, and they all ran the resort together. At least Skipper and Gilligan, they made, a bunch of them came back, and they made that movie. It's called oh yeah, I remember that. Yeah, the there sequel. Was a sequel That's right. Movie. Yeah. 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 I think they got lost. They, I think they got lost again at the end of it, though, didn't they? I don't remember. I don't remember the movie. <laughs> That's the way I would have written it. Yes, I would have too. Come sit right back in the here and tell. Oh my gosh. Mm mm mm. Wow. No, and uh, maybe that one last year. The guy you kept McCord, I think it was. Not uh, the, uh, remember the TV show Adam Twelve. The 60s, Adam 12. Yeah. Two L.A. policemen, sorry, Kent McCord. One out of 12. One out of 12, one out of 12. Yeah. Oh, do you know something? Let me think about this. The the dispatcher, the woman who played the dispatcher on Adam 12 was somebody's mother. Many well, women well, are. I hope so. <laughs> I hope so. Uh, but let me look it up for you here. Go ahead. I'm, throwing a, I'm obviously ahead, having Jay. a problem here. I'm obviously having a problem here. That's what Chet does. We talk about things. He looks it up. He pulls us in. What would they? I'll tell you. And that's a great thing. <laughs> Isn't that a great thing? Yes. Yes. Martin, he yeah. always had a computer. I loved, I loved Marty Milner in... Uh, uh, that wonderful series, Route 66. Yeah, yeah. With the Corvette, 62 vet, man. Yeah. Mm. God, I remember My boss in Atlanta, remember? 65, Highway. had one of those. Wow. I remember, do you remember Highway Patrol with Broderick Crawford? Oh, yeah. I remember the music. I remember the TV show Combat with uh, the guy who... Uh, Dick Morrow, combat is Dick Morrow. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh we can't forget oh. about Burt Reynolds' movies neither. Yeah, Starsky and Hutch. No. Yeah, yeah. No, um, no. 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 What, what was um, Burt Reynolds' movie? Um, oh my somebody, God. Somebody. Smokey and the Bandit. Yeah, Smokey and the, the Bandit. Bandit. Yeah, yeah, Smokey. I, yeah. I, I, my band opened for uh, Jerry Reed one time. Dixon. Really? Wow. Blew him off the stage. <laughs> wow. My God. I bet you did. Yeah. I bet you did. Mm-mm-mm. Well, it was interesting. Yeah. It was two shows, 900 people at each show. And uh, we were the opening act. And we did about a 25, 30 minute set or some 40 minute set. And so we did the first show. We did our set, and we were in back in the in the back at a table, autographing uh, cassettes. <laughs> oh, metal data. And uh, and there was this big long line of people waiting for our autographs. And I'm sitting here. This is weird. And meanwhile, Jerry Reed's up on stage trying to play, and uh, 
the second show, he came out roaring, and he was awesome. The first show, he kind of phoned it in. It was towards the end of a long, uh, you know, bus ride tour, and he died soon after that, so he probably wasn't 100% physically, but he showed the flash of glory in that second show. I was really happy to see that. I never got to meet him either. He just hung out in the bus until it was time to go on stage, and then, bam, he'd hit the stage and then go back to the bus. Oh, man, that's, that's kind of cool. That's very cool. But still, you're on stage. You're yeah. on stage, stage, man. Share the stage. Well, the other funny story is I, I was standing at uh, Jerry Reed's uh, monitors, and he must have really been deaf towards the end because they were just loud, loud, loud. And I during sound check, I said, hey, can we, we like, turn these down a little bit? It's killing me. And they said, we do not touch Mr. Reed's monitors. <laughs> so, oh, my gosh. Really? Uh, uh. So I had my ears blasted. Mm. Had two of them. Mm. Fifteen, man. Pointed right at me. Jeez. Turned up to so 11. You were, you're, so, uh, Chet, you were gigging. You were, you, were playing, um, you were playing out over the holidays. That's pretty cool. Good for you. Yeah. For you. We... Uh, Last month we had ten farmers market gigs, man, and mm. most of them were four or five hours. So yeah, it's great fun. That's great, man. And we're playing this Wednesday and next Sunday too. So the 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 beat goes on. You keep them busy. Wow. <laughs> I I host a uh, sing, I host a uh, singer songwriter showcase in South Pasadena, California, um, on most Thursday nights. And it has been absolutely terrific. It's great for me because right now I've got, I was supposed to go to, to Austin this month and then over to New Orleans and just nothing's happening. I'm not traveling, first of all, I'm just not booking anything. I've got to, I still have Las Vegas uh, for the end of this month, which, is, which I'm probably going to do. I guess. Who knows? But I had so many, um, so many travel plans that just, you know, just aren't happening. But I have this one steady deal and uh, hosting and performing at this uh, emerging singer songwriter showcase I call Song Splash at the Universe on Mission Street in South Pasadena Thursday night. Um, and it gets me on stage and I get to play. And the turnout has been just terrific. The audience has been amazing. And, um, and That's I good. To, I get to play a little bit because there was a period of time here a month ago where I picked up the guitar, which I haven't been doing all that much. And um, and I asked myself, if I got booked for a show tomorrow, could I could I do an hour and a half set? And I and I thought, no, I, I couldn't. I, mean, I could probably just take my way on the guitar and come up with some stuff, but I don't know, I don't know songs that I just knew by the back of my hand because I played so often. But I'm not playing at all, and I don't. I have to relearn the words to the tunes. I I, I don't remember. I, I just I couldn't. You know, Andy, go on. You do a 45 minute set. I probably. I'd have to play real long versions of three songs. <laughs> well, I uh, unless, you, unless you, only thing you got to do is say, skip up, skip up, whatever, 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 whatever. Yeah, I kind of do that anyway, but yeah. Scat. Just scat. <laughs> I, I let yeah. my iPad be my memory. Oh, so do you, do you, do you it, take it, words on, 
I've got I've got all my lyrics on the iPad in Onsong, and I mean I I'm I was hopeless in lyric with lyrics back when I had to in the olden days when you were supposed to memorize four sets of them, and uh, so this is really great now. It's okay to have an iPad sitting in front of you and just read them. Hmm. I I never I you know we have some folks that come out to, to the songwriter thing. And um, we have a music stand there, and I'm, I'm probably going to get rid of it, but we have a music stand there. And sometimes people come up and they have sheets of paper, a book, and they open the words, and they strum the guitar, and they look at the words, and they sing the words. And, and I'm like, so let me ask you a question. You don't know the song, but you're performing the song, but you don't know it. So the question is, how attached are you to the emotional statement of what the song is? You don't really know it. And how can you effectively, on an emotional basis, you know, in an energy, make the song land? How can you project and present that material outside of having it sung and be heard? Which you can sing the words, and play the chords, and sound great, you know, but will sound great. But to make it land, to really, you know, what it means to you on an emotional basis, and if you want to get your audience that you that that's a meaning to you. That, that song is in your heart and you're putting it out there because it's more than a song, it's more than chords of the guitar. And, and and that's what you want to push out to the audience and make it a land. Whoa, I felt that. I didn't hear it. I felt it. Woo. Right? And and so so I have this thing about is this something I wish I could do now because believe me, there's some songs, new songs I'm learning and songs that I'm writing that I just say to myself, I'm just gonna take my damn phone up on the stage. <laughs> the words and I'm like hell with all that other shit <laughs> well words. you know my quick answer is it's like everything else practice 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 I've been doing it for so long and then the other thing is for the last 15 20 years I've been concentrating on uh, telling a story rather than yeah. playing and singing a song yeah, so the exactly. whole thing to me is telling a story, and it would be like uh, someone sitting in a library telling the story with the book open in front of them. Yeah, yeah. So they still can engage with the audience. I still make eye contact as much as I can, uh, and I glance down at the lyric to catch the next couple lines because my memory's always been horrible for lyrics. I've always fluffed lyrics. And it's a lot more fun to be able to actually, you know, sing the words the way they're supposed to be. Yeah, I, I guess instead I, I of, know what it is. Instead I, of I going, guess, uh, wait a minute, I'll I'll remember the first word of the next verse in a in a in a little bit. So just hang out, hang loose. <laughs> you know, I, instead, I, I, I can just these... go through the story. Yeah, yeah, I, I did and, one of these uh, were, were these little showcase sets. You know, talking about the, the I don't know a month ago. And I and they also so they don't sell wine there, but they serve wine there. And I had a whole lot of red wine, maybe a couple of glasses of white, and something else before I left the venue. And I got up on stage, and I wasn't drunk; I was very coherent. But I got up, and I started playing, and I didn't know what the hell I was playing. I didn't know what the song was. You, you was you was playing red red wine. <laughs> Please, one song, one song to the next, and I couldn't remember any lyric. All the way to I remember a verse or a line, and I started putting together different lines from different songs. 
I just put them in there. You're just like, if you put in a blender, you stir it, the tooth comes out, you know, and, okay, I'm an A minor, boom, you know, A minor, D minor, G, whatever, just, you know, and I, I'm on stage, I'm looking okay. down at the stage floor, thinking to myself, what the hell am I doing here? What the hell? I must, I'm going to, I got to go find a job. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you, I'll tell you, there's, there's one Hawaiian boy, one Kanaka, Israel, Kamaka Iwa, Kamaka Viva Ole, who, his big hit was that, that uh, really? somewhere over the rainbow. He just totally threw all the words in a blender and uh, the story goes at one or two in the morning <laughs> and tossed it into a tape machine. Wow. Yeah, because it's totally scrambled. I mean, he just, you know, kind of like, it's a great song. I, yeah. I guess, you know, I, I used to... When I well, that's started, how you make songs. <laughs> yeah. When, when I first started... Holy. i got to learn. I, I'm going back better. almost 30 years when I first started, and I was playing showcases myself, and I used to see people get up with their guitars. And they, or, I guess I, I guess the... the paper and the music stand and they don't engage the audience they're looking at the words in the music stand the whole time and and they play their G C and D and they read the words and they get off and I'm like, it doesn't do anything for me. Well you know something else this this is this is interesting. Talking about music here for a minute folks obviously. But um I was uh, teaching seminars and, and one on ones for a music chain called Sam Ash Music Stores in the United States. And they endorsed the program I wrote called Fast Track the Guitar. And they, they, I they remember Sam Ash. That's where I bought my first um, snare. Yeah. Well, there it's a, you know, they 44 stores across the country, and they uh, they endorsed the program I put together, and they hired me, more or less, for lack of a better word, to uh, to teach seminars and workshops and, um, and, and also one-on-one lessons that people paid for, you know, with me. And and so uh, they both me pretty good. I, I was I, I actually enjoyed it. It was the closest thing I ever had to a real job in decades. But anyway, um, so I, I had them order a bunch of books that had the uh, six strings on the guitar, just empty. I don't know what you call that. The just the six strings, and you can write the chords in, you know, in the frets. You know, you just draw little circles, whatever you, whatever that book is called. And I, and I would, because I showed these, I, I, instead of showing ABCs and scales and chords at you know, the beginning, I started uh, primary students with some very, very advanced technique and chord shapes, and then walked backwards to figure out how we got there. You know, just because they're starting out of the gate day one, playing some stuff that guitar players have to do in five years playing, they're, starting, they're doing that in the very first lesson, so to speak. And so what would happen is I, I started out by drawing, here's this shape, and, and don't call them chords, they call them shapes, and here's this shape, and we're going to move the shape from here to here, we're going to move the shape from here to here, and that's how you make the sound like this. And then they'd come back the next week, and they'd open up the book on the music stand, they'd, they'd look at the chord charts I wrote the week before, and they'll look at the music stand. And I'm sitting back with my, with my arms crossed, looking at the student, look at the book. And what I would do is I'd reach over, and I would turn the music stand around. I'd literally turn it around and say, play the damn guitar, make some music, make some noise. I don't want you looking at anything. I want you to just, I don't care what it is. I want you to play guitar. And there's such a distinction between playing and practicing. 
even though I have a whole YouTube series out there, I think I've got a hundred and some YouTubes where I give, give various coaching techniques and, and song requests. A lot of people request you know, Don Prine and Chris Smith and different artists. I never show a song. I will never, ever show how to play a song. But what I do is show some of the techniques and some of the skills and some of the, the passages that you can integrate into either that song, a song of your own, or another song. But here's how you do this technique, and here's how that artist created this technique. What can you do with it? How are you going to work with this technique and make it your own for the time you take the tune? And so I've always had this thing where I say, never practice the guitar. And, and sometimes a kid, would, with their parents would come pick up the kid from the session, and, and as they leave, I would say, remember, never practice. And the parents would turn around and look at me like, I'm nuts. We mean never practice. And I would say, don't play it to you, or she'll play it to you. And, and I used to say, just pick up the guitar and play. Because when you, when you do that, when you pick up the guitar, it's on your left, and you strum a chord. Are you practicing it, or are you playing the chord? Am I practicing the chord, or am I playing the chord? No, I'm playing it. So even if you practice, what are you practicing to do? You're practicing to play. Well, you are playing. So play it. And the conversation that you have in your head, when you sit down, even if you play in front of the mirror and make yourself your own audience, you sit down and play. The conversation that you have with yourself as a musician is, is a whole other level than sitting down, I've got to sit down and practice, I've got to practice piano, I've got to practice the guitar, versus, God damn it, I'm going to sit down, I'm going to play the guitar, man. I'm going to make something happen. I'm going to play this damn thing. And whether you get it wrong or get it right or it's not like, perfect, who cares? Play it. Play it. Keep playing it. Keep performing it. Keep performing what you're doing. And that, that applies to every instrument. I don't keep playing the piccolo, the quarter, the, the piano, the bassoon, the drums. Pick up your instrument and play it. Make something happen. Feel that energy. And feel the difference psychologically. What happens in your head when you're sitting down to make something happen, create a difference in the world, create a difference with your music, a difference in the universe with what you're doing yes. at us. Whether you're playing in front of your door, yes. whether you're playing at a folk festival in front of 7,000 people, and I've done both. And, and, the, and that conversation... Is, is remarkably different. When you sit down, I'm going to perform this, man. I'm going to sit down. And even if there's no, nobody in the audience, it's just me in my living room or my bedroom, whatever, I'm going to pretend that I'm on stage playing in front of a whole group of people. What are you going to make happen? How are you going to make the world different? That's right. You know what I'm saying? Okay, yeah, music heals the soul. It does. Music heals the soul. Except for, except for the banjo. All you can do is try to control one of those. <laughs> Because <laughs> they'll start controlling you. It'll start controlling you. <laughs> so Dick, you take you right into the weeds. No, it's the things you're saying there, uh, Andy. Uh, uh, it, it's like boiling it down to the real essentials, and that was the wonderful thing about my lessons with Mark Vanilla back in the '80s. Mm-hmm. Uh, he told me on the phone, "I'll teach you everything you need to know, all the theory you need to know to play lead guitar in ten lessons." And I said, yeah, right. Exactly. But, you know, for 10 bucks a lesson, what the heck? And and I was coming off years of being a drunk anyway and needed something to do. And so I went over, and sure enough, in 10 lessons, he taught me all the theory that you ever need to know. And it really is pretty simple, you know, scale and how it's put together. And that's it. Mm -hmm. And then uh, then we spent two years getting me to – try to do some of it. <laughs> yeah. And I've been working on it ever since. This is like 40 years, and, and I'm still working on stuff he told me. But, Man, what, but, what the, I did, what I, but yeah, playing, I tell yeah. people 
you know, when they say stuff like, oh, I'm tone deaf or, oh, I, I wish I could play an instrument. Da, da, da. Around here, I tell them, go buy a uke, learn a few chords, have fun. And that's really yeah. play songs. You know, learn a few chords, play songs, have fun. Don't worry about it. Uh, yeah. I messed myself yeah, up for probably the first 30 years I performed by wanting to be better than I was or wanting to be as good as Tommy Emanuel. Good luck. Uh, you know, and then I finally realized, well, I can be the best chat that I can find. And that's that, when that I actually underline got that. happy. Best, yes, underline that, the best chat that you can find. Uh-huh. Because, because here's the deal. Tommy Emanuel, I played shows with Tommy Emanuel back in Pennsylvania. Well, actually, I think one of the first couple of trips over here. But I, I've, I've met him on several occasions and I've done shows with him. Wait, wait, um, 99, 2000, right in there. Um, and uh, here's, here's the thing. And he's a wonderful guy. God, I mean, he'll, he, he, if he's got a guitar case in the airport and he's walking down and, and he meets somebody and somebody asks him a question, oh, can you show me how you do that? He'll take his guitar out right there and show you. I, I mean, he, he is amazing. He, he is one of the most remarkable Super good guy. guys you ever wanted. Oh, great. But here's the thing. That, that, and I learned this just from performing, being on stage and touring and performing, that Tommy Emmanuel is, is as good as Tommy Emmanuel is. Chet Gardner is as good as Chet Gardner is. Chet Gardner does what Chet Gardner does. Tommy Emanuel does what Tommy Emanuel. So there's no saying that you don't do as, as good as you do is what he does what he does. You do what you do. And he we're does both, what he does. And we're also probably both uh, real, uh, find a real joy in learning more. Yeah. Yeah. Never, never satisfied, although content but never satisfied and always trying to learn more. Always. And, and, and you know, for me, and I don't even, I, I can't, I go, I, I'm like really into this, I'm the psychology of learning, teaching, behavioral change. Um, and to me, I mean, learning is obviously learning. You learn something. You know, and what, what, you know, what is the actual definition of when learning takes place? It's not, you know, you can play something, and let's say I, I play something, and then you repeated it because... I show you exactly how you do it. That's rote memory. In other words, I show it to you, mm-hmm. you play it back because I showed you exactly how to do it. But does that mean you understand it? No, it doesn't mean you understand it. And even if you understand it, you do really learn it. Not necessarily. And what, what is a, an indication of when somebody really comprehensively digest something to the point where they know it inside out and can take it and maybe take it to another direction. That is, that is when learning has actually taken place. And that is the final step. That's after growth. That's after understanding. The last step is behavioral change. So if you take something on the guitar, the bassoon, the tuba, you know, and I, you play a scale, you play a song, and I can play it back. Oh, now I understand the relationship between, uh, if I put the fifth note in the bass and the first note in the bass, I put the second and the third version of the chord, let's say. But now I'm able to integrate various versions of chords and how those chords resolve to the next chord, and I could do it on my own and have a whole lot of fun with it. Well, I couldn't do that yesterday. Now I can do it today. What does that mean? I can do it on my own. That means my behavioral, my behavior has changed. And that's when learning actually takes place. So, so what, what I 
you like to do is I'll, I'll show somebody a, a, a chord pattern or notes or, or shapes or figures. And then what, what can you, now that you know that and you know, you can switch the, the order of those notes around so they sound differently when you play them, although you're playing the same exact notes, but the order of which I strike them changes the whole how they land and how they are perceived by your audience. It's a whole different ballgame. Even off playing the same three notes, the same ones. Whoa, how's that work? What can you do with that? So, so, so go ahead, go ahead, play, play with it. Don't practice it, play with it. And, and the difference uh, is, is incredible. And I guess, you know what? You know what? I think the best teachers aren't teachers at all. They're coaches. They're coaches. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, mm-hmm. I, I can... I can and I guess... I, I'm going well, that was the deal with Mark, Andy. That was mm-hmm. the deal with Mark. The first ten lessons were were the teacher, and then the next mm-hmm. two years was the coach. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and he was the, a brilliant player and a brilliant coach. And mm-hmm. the stuff he imparted, like I say, I've been using for almost forty years now, and. Mm and always find new things. But yeah, the other thing I was thinking of while you were talking about it is somebody, you know, like Rote learns the scale, Rote learns the the shapes, and I also look at them as shapes. And I also use the Nashville method, so I don't even think of the chord names. I don't even bother with those. It's one, three, five, seven, six minor, et cetera. Uh, But it's when the student or the person trying to play music starts evolving what they've learned. In other words, come out with different stuff that mm-hmm. has their personal imprint on it. That's when you know that they're on a good path. Yeah. 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 You're so right. Um, you know, it's interesting. I'm trying to take scales. Um, you know, scales are, there's uh, well, eight notes from root to root, let's say C to C, G to G, uh, E flat to an E flat, you know, there's seven notes, and then if you go to the root again, it becomes eight notes, right? And um, it's interesting that if, if you, what I would do is, and I, I was, I had this thing about teaching scales. So I, I was out there, I, I, I would go to a student who's never played guitar before, never ever played. And I'd look at the clock, and let's say it was 10 o'clock. I'd say, look at the big hand, the little hand of the clock, right? It's exactly 10 after, it's 10 o'clock right now. And the cool thing where I sit versus where you sit, the cool thing where I sit is right now, I have the knowledge that by the time that big hand hits the 10 after mark, right now it's on the hour, so 10 minutes from now, you are going to know how to play every single major scale on the guitar and you've never ever played guitar before. And to me, I'm loving this. I'm loving this because I'm about to make a huge difference in your life. And there's nothing, you can tear up my paycheck. Because for me, it's about making a difference in your life. That's why I do this. It ain't about the money. It's just a problem with life. But anyway, um, and then what I do is, is I want to show you the pattern on the guitar that I'll play every, all you have to do is know the one pattern. And you can do that pattern every, anywhere. Mm-hmm. And you'll be able to move the pattern. And, and the notes are the same. And then it's not the same notes, but the positions are the same. So you'll play every single scale if you play that pattern at different places. If you base the first note on the on the sixth string, well, you straight moving the third fret, fifth fret, sixth fret, seventh fret, eighth fret, do the same exact pattern all the way up the neck. You'll play every single scale. Now, do you know what the notes are? Hell no. 
Hell, I don't know Sark, but I hear this tale. I have no idea what I'm playing. No idea. I, I know what the bass note is because it's easy. I can play with the six strings. It doesn't touch the change. It doesn't touch the A. It doesn't touch the B. Blah, blah. So I can figure out what scale I'm playing. But what happens between the low B and the two octave up B, I have no idea what note I'm playing. And then after a period of time, via that type of coaching, they can learn what all those notes are. Now, they might not, not say, what's the... What, what is the ninth fret key string? Quick, what's that note? I don't, I don't even know. I, I couldn't tell you that. I have no idea. I, I take me a minute to pick up my guitar and tell you what it is, but I have no idea. But I know I could use it if I'm playing the solo or playing with some shape. Do you know, by the way, Jeff, do you know the, you know the notes, notes of the guitar? Like, you know, what, what that is, like ninth fret key string, without even thinking about it. That's pretty much how... That's pretty much how Mark Benia started the la- the first lesson. He showed me the shape, the the patterns of the F major scale, starting at the first fret, sixth string, all the way up to the fifteenth fret, first string, and the really he kept it down to just three patterns. Really, you know, there's the 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 uh, E shape, there's the D shape, uh, and then the the A shape, and that was it. And so I would sit hour after hour running my fingers up and down until it became second nature, and then all of a sudden, I uh, just from that I learned where I could put my fingers without sounding horrible. As a lead guitar player. I love this musician talk, man. I love musician <laughs> talk. This is awesome, man. To the listeners, you are learning from the Greeks. <laughs> and also, her name was Sharon Claridge. And she actually was a real LAPD dispatcher who made extra money dispatching on Adam 12. She died September of 2021, right? Yep. That is correct. 15 September. Hey. Yeah. She was a real LA. Yes, getting back to what we were talking about before. Mm-hmm. Yes. We came all the way back around. Jesus. Now all we and, need to and, do is hum the uh, Highway Patrol theme and we're, we're there. I remember those old 1950 Ford police yeah. cars. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> With the big old antenna whipping around in the back. Oh, my God. Tied down do by remember, the, on the bumper. And, and do you remember Marcus Welby, MD? MD, yeah. Remember, and, and that's the, and, and Consuela, the secretary, his name was Consuela. Oh, my God, I remember that. And do you remember Chad Everett? Chad Everett played a doctor. What was the name of the hospital program that Chad Everett played the main position in the same time period as Marcus Welby? Chad Everett. Thank you. Can you like to up real quick, Chad? Chad Everett. Oh, okay, I'll look it up. Chad Everett, TV show, medical show, 1960s. Are we dating ourselves now, Cornell? Oh, my God. Well, I had a birthday. Damn, I birthday still, and, of course, yes, I still yes. cycle. I still cycle through my entire DVD collection of Have Gun Well Travel. Really? Oh yeah, that's that's what I watch in my in my bathroom when I'm taking a bath. I watch an episode of of Have Gun Well Travel every time. 
So that makes it, like at least relax you? you know six does or eight six you? or eight episodes a year. Uh, wow. Joe Gannon, medical Joe center. Gannon. Medical center. Yeah. Right. Oh my God. Sixty nine to seventy six. Yeah. Man, Chad, you have your computer on deck. <laughs> well, we finally have fiber, so I don't have to wait too long, and and it, and it doesn't oh, go out when it rains. Oh, it's, yeah. I had fiber back east. It's phenomenal. She wondered make a up, she wondered down. Bam, bam. Unbelievable. We have, we have the advantage here of actually having two competing phone companies. Oh, and, wow. and so one of them took a look at these big dark areas where people had no access to high-speed Internet and then moved fiber cable out to, to us. And I jumped on it as soon as it was available. And so we're saving uh, $200 a month for Internet that's, that's uh, about 20 times as fast. Hello. 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 Oh, we we may have lost Andy. Oh my gosh, Andy disappeared. He probably went to the bathroom. That's what he did. He usually did that when I'm breaking. We could talk talk about him. When Definitely, we could keep talking about him. Yeah, Andy's yeah. on the phone. He's not on our program. He is, so a, he this, is a, a an amazing natural guitar player. It's it's sort of yes, he is definitely. You know, it's All Andy's personality aside, but yeah. comes out on that guitar. It's really fun. Yeah. It's, it was great fun chasing his tempo to put that album yeah. together. <laughs> well, you did a hell and of a job. chasing his chord man. changes. I swear, he, he, he's so used to playing alone. On that. Each yeah. verse and each oh, chorus was different from every other verse and chorus. Oh, <laughs> oh I can't talk to him about him anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Go ahead, Jeff. You're talking. I, I found, I found recording across 3,000 miles an intense learning experience. Really? <laughs> I got uh, Chase, chasing Andy's tempo and chord 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 changes. Oh it my was, God! Really something. <laughs> yeah, I I had. Well, to, I. I I laid down some, some tunes in the studio one time. They brought in a band after I laid down the, the initial tunes. And um, the drummer came in. The drummer was in my band, you know, so he knew me. But I didn't play. They brought the guys in way after I left. I did the tunes. They brought the band in and met me, you know, a couple guys in time, whatever it was. And the drummer said, damn, you know, he, he, he was he's slowing down. I was speeding up. Like slow. And for a drummer coming after the fact, I can't play to a quick track. I cannot play to a quick track. I just can't do it. But I can play with a drummer. You give me a oh, drummer no. right there in the pocket, right? But I can't say, I just can't do it. I can't do it at all. But uh, you were amazing, Chad, how you were able to hang in there and produce the tunes that you did, knowing that, what the hell are we doing? <laughs> Where is it going? <laughs> <laughs> well, that that brings up an interesting... Uh, uh, we, I, we finally got our advance from Numero Group, the record label in Chicago. Really? Whoa! And... And vinyl is like backed up big time. Vinyl is actually outselling CDs now. So oh, yes, the vinyl yes, factories yes. are just totally slammed. So Man, our Andy the record had a discussion the CD, yesterday the, about vinyl. <laughs> I told you the I compilation, 
the compilation that uh, the song that we recorded in 1970 is coming out on uh, is uh, sort of tentatively scheduled for the spring. So pretty pretty soon That's it'll great. be released vinyl and download, and then our complete album that we did will be download only. But uh, we recorded a whole bunch of songs, and then we hired Chicken Hirsch, who's Country Joe and the Fish's drummer, Whoa. to come to our little living room studio and lay down the drum tracks, including the one on the song that's coming out. And he had to put the headphones on, and he listened to about the first 20 seconds of the first song and then he took the headphones off and looked up at Bob Warband and I and said you guys didn't use the click track did you? And we looked at each other and we went what's a click track? (laughs) So Bob went out and bought a fancy metronome and I started working with clicks uh, in 1970 71 and could do it. (laughs) <laughs> but, but it took Chad, a while. Vinyl it is the new thing now. Vinyl is the new thing now. Yes, it's the thing. Because he makes his record player. I'm going to have to unpack my turntable so I can play my own record now. Yes, yes. I have a turntable by um, Crossley. Rec- record player. Oh, all yeah. All yeah like Jimi Hendrix. All that. That's he the new thing. Yes, we need to. The first record I ever recorded is on a 78, yeah, back in 1961. Really? Wow. Yeah. It was, you know, hand cut. We had one microphone in this dinky little studio, and we recorded two songs direct to acetate, and then he copied from that and made one copy for each of us. So our, our record sold four copies at $10 really? each, which was some real money in 1961. Yes. Uh, and I still have my copy, although the glue on the label let go years ago. So I keep what, it in. What was uh, those little teeny records? Do you remember the time we used to have the little teeny? It used to be a record, uh, um, album, a vinyl album, but it used to be a smaller version. What did you call those? And they well, there was put, the like, 45, in the, the 7-inch EP. The 45, had the 45 yes. Well, there were 45s, and then the same size, they started making 33 and a third EPs, so you could get four songs on a on a 7-inch record. And that was actually, <laughs> back to the story, the, Bob and I released four songs, including the one that's coming out in the spring, as we pressed a couple hundred copies of an EP uh, for, to give out as Christmas presents and everything. And the artwork was done by our drummer in our collective, Jeff Chandler. And uh, somebody in Texas discovered one and somebody in England discovered one and then Jeff a friend of Jeff's is actually the producer that's releasing the song on Numero so it was sort of the the EP that we put out started resurfacing about 10 years ago <laughs> people would find them in used record bins Summer Madness was the group name we used 
Hey, Chet, you heard they scheduled NAM, which is the National Association of Music Merchants, the most amazing music conference in the world. And they scheduled for June. It won't be January, but they I thought that. Yep. 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 I, so, uh, I'll, I'll have, have to get, see. I'll have yeah. to see if we've gotten through Zeta by then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, funny. Hey guys, but maybe I run. maybe I could I have you. you know, I'm sorry. Maybe I could have you get a spare room available, and I can come over and we yeah. can hang a little. Yes. That'd be great. Listen, folks, we are about out of time. We just got the heads up, and the lights are flashing here. Uh, Chet, thanks so much for calling in. I'm going to invite you back to the show again next Monday if you can make it, because I'd like to talk more music. And I've I got some ideas here. i got some ideas about the music and coaching and instruction that we might be incorporating. Yes, thanks, Chet. Yeah, so I really appreciate that. Cornell, always a pleasure. Hopefully Amanda will be joining us back on the show on Wednesday. Again, our number here is 515 Always a pleasure. We're looking forward to a great year ahead on the Andy and Amanda show. Again, happy new year to everybody. And on behalf of Amanda and Cornell and, of course, Chet Gardner, my name is Andy Kimball. This is the Andy and Amanda show. And now we'll go to another exciting end of our first show of 2022. So, oh, look, Chet, why don't you sign us off? What the hell? Yeah, sign us off, Chet. Yeah, Chet. Yeah. Andy. The Andy and Amanda show have been brought to you by Viagra and Bud Light and, and, and the wonderfulness of our own bad, bad selves. And, of course, our producer, Cornell Butler, who we could not do without. Oh, Aloha. Nice. That was great. That Thank was, you, Chet. That was terrific. A real pro. Thank hey, you. folks, we'll see you Wednesday. And uh, thanks for listening to the podcast. We appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon. Take care, everybody. Bye bye now. Take care. Bye bye.